What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. And boy, oh boy, do we ever have a treat for you today. Um, I'm interviewing Joey House. Uh, you may not know his name, but you probably recognize the name of uh, one of his instructors and mentors, which is Wim Hof, who is famous for, you know, pulling off all kinds of just like unprecedented feats um, of, of biology and physiology. The guy has climbed Mount Everest shirtless. Um, he has been injected with endotoxin from E. coli and been able to breathe himself through it without getting sick. Um, just, you know, just these kind of nutty, nutty feats of, uh, of the human body. And Joey's been certified by him. He is a Wim Hof instructor. He does breath work. He does ice bath exercises. And I've actually had the privilege of being under his instruction for a couple different experiences that were really life-changing. We talk about it a little bit in the interview. But the reason I brought him in is because breath work is a huge part of recovery. You know, a lot of guys wonder, how do I handle being triggered? And typically the way we've been taught has been to, you know, bounce the eyes and white knuckle it and find something else to focus on. But Joey's approach, even though he doesn't really come from a faith perspective, his approach is incredibly relevant and incredibly applicable. And, and in my opinion, probably one of the most holistic and effective approaches. And so uh, Breathwork comes into it. We talk a little bit about interoception and how that plays into just leaning into your body, paying attention to what's going on and learning to process and digest those things. Um, it was just an incredible interview, super rich and very practical. So I know you're going to be inspired by this. And I just want to encourage you as you listen to this interview, just have your hat on of how does this apply to my situation? How does this apply to addiction? Because we sort of talk about some broad level concepts and principles. And we tie it all into addiction, but I want you to have that kind of thinking cap on so that as you're listening, you're starting to get some ideas about what this might look like in your day-to-day -day life. And I promise you, if you can really apply some of the things he lays out, you will notice a huge difference in your ability to just manage the different temptations, the urges, and the lusts that come day-to-day -day as you are recovering. So without further ado, guys, this is my interview with Joey House. And I did want to mention real quick, this guy is uh, not only is he Wim Hof certified, uh, but he is also a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He served in the military as a sergeant. He is highly, highly accomplished, an incredibly well-rounded man. And I know you're going to learn a lot from him. Here's Joey House, guys. Enjoy. So here's the million-dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. So I'm with Joey House, a Wim Hof certified instructor, a black belt in, I think it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, dude, I, I could go through the whole list here, man. You're very accomplished in your young life, but man, it's so good to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Very excited for whatever unfolds. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. I've I've been in a couple of your sessions now. I think the first one for me was uh, maybe eight months ago, seven, eight months ago, and then one quite a bit more recently. And it's really fun. I've said this about a few guests that we've had on the podcast, but it's one thing when somebody has a good message and the message speaks to you and you can see it's impacting people. But my favorite people, it doesn't matter what the industry industry is, it's just when they actually, you can tell they embody the message. And I feel like you have that, Joey. Like This is clearly not just a gig for you. It's not just a job. This is like something you're living day to day. And it's really cool to have you here, man. So 
I guess maybe for our listeners, can you just give a little bit of context? You're a Wim Hof certified instructor. I think a lot of people would recognize Wim Hof. He's the crazy <laughs> dude who climbed Everest with his shirt off. That's what my friends always say when I mention his name. They're like, isn't that the guy, like the shirtless Dutch guy who like does all these crazy stunts and stuff? Um, but there's a lot more to it than that. And I, I think, you know, we don't have to talk about Wim Hof too much, but I'd love to hear your story, man. How did you get into all this in the first place? Yeah. And so, yeah, like I love that. It's uh, definitely a proper way of describing him. But what's crazy is so my whole journey into this all started from jujitsu. So like I I trained under a guy's named Jean-Jacques Machado. Jean-Jacques is a legend of the sport. He's one of the all-time greats and he has one hand. So he's great at a grappling martial art. It's not that he's great for having one hand, one of the all-time greats, plus he has one hand. And so one of his mentors, because he's like an OG of the sport, he's been around since the beginning of it. And one of his mentors was Hicks and Gracie. Hicks and Gracie is, he's the guy. Like when it comes to like the folklore of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Hicks and Gracie is the man. And so like, I'm sure a lot of people know of like UFC one with Hoist Gracie. So Hoist Gracie was the first UFC champion and that's Hickson's brother. The reason they used Hoist instead of Hickson is because Hickson looks like he should be winning these fights. Hoist <laughs> did not. Hoist was like 170 pounds soaking wet. So he was a better representative of jujitsu to show what the sport is capable of because mm-hmm. of he won the whole thing. And what it created was everyone going, this guy doesn't look like he should be winning. I want to know what he knows. As opposed uh-huh. to if Hickson was the guy, he would have for sure won it, but everyone would have looked at him and been like, oh, of course. Like this yeah. guy won't so, but Hickson is our, he's the guy. And so Jean-Jacques brought him in and he did a seminar. He taught some really cool techniques, but at the end, he really nerded out about breathing, like a lot, really talked about the importance of breathing properly in your body. And Hickson actually literally just wrote a book. It came out maybe a month ago. The book's not called Jiu-Jitsu. The book is called Breathe because it is such a foundational part of not just Jiu-Jitsu, but just overall wellness in life. And so he talked about his, uh, it was his yoga teacher, but a guy that taught him the importance of breathing, the importance of moving your body. And that man's name was Orlando Connie. So Orlando Connie is a legend in Brazil for being this really prominent yogi. And he created a form of yoga. It was called Gymnastica Natural at the time. And now it's called Biogynastica. And so it's a form of yoga that incorporates animal movements, a lot of breath work. And so Hickson talked about it for like a really long time. And so as he's talking about it, I also remembered Hickson talked about it on Joe Rogan's podcast and also mentioned Orlando Connie and all these things. And it just clicked in my brain, man, one day I'd love to go to Rio and just take a class from this Orlando Connie guy. Two weeks after I do this seminar, I get a call from a person that says, hey, I have a friend. He lives in Rio, but he's about to move to America me and my best friend, we had a jujitsu Airbnb. We turned our house into this whole thing. We oh, rented nice. it out. And the guy said, would it be cool if this guy lived with you for a little bit? And so we started talking back and forth. And then he mentioned his name's Marcelo. And he's the head instructor of the Orlando Connie Institute in Rio de Janeiro. Wow. <laughs> so immediately I'm just like, okay, this guy can live with us. And really went over all these different breathing techniques and things that like ways of breathing that I was never aware of. So Hickson's talking about all these different breathing techniques in his seminar. And I'm like, oh, there's different ways of breathing that it just never clicked in my head before that. So now here's this guy and he's teaching me all these things that Hickson was talking about 
but now I'm getting to really embody it. I'm getting to wake up early every morning and just learn all these different ways of breathing into your body. And I recognize that as an athlete, it was crazy helpful because of my gas tank immediate went up. Everyone thinks that in order to increase stamina, you have to run, sprint, do all these things that get the stamina going, but nobody thinks about actively increasing your gas tank by just (laughs) using more of your gas tank. And so I remember that was a huge eye opener for me. And then on top of that, feeling significantly calmer and more relaxed just in breathing that way. And then on top of all the things of breathing that Hickson talked about, Hickson was also a giant proponent of cold water immersion. So in the same seminar where he's talking about all this cold water immersion, uh, he's all, I'm sorry, talking about breath work. He's talking about him going in Japan, going in the cold rivers out there. Someone asked him, why do you do that? And he says, I do it to embrace death. And for whatever (laughs) reason, that really resonated with me, this kind of recognizing that one day we're all going to go there. And I feel that just like addiction, that so much of things go back to our past, things that happened in childhood, traumas. And I think in the future form of things, I think everyone has an eye that one day this is all going to end. And so a lot of what we do is distraction from that recognition. And so that was his things like I do it to embrace death, kind of just going into this thing that's hard, putting yourself in panic and breathing through it. And I remember, so that resonated with me so much that as soon as it became winter, me and my best friend, we would jump in our pool and it would be like 50 degrees. But first it was just jumping in, jumping out, jumping in, staying in for five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 (laughs) seconds. And eventually we'd get in for like 15 minutes, but we were miserable the whole time. Mm. So because of Hickson, we're doing all these different breathing techniques we're doing all this cold immersion. And then one day I see the, uh, it's the Wim Hof Vice documentary where he was doing all the things that you explained where climbed Mount Everest with just shorts and shoes, uh, <laughs> longest time in an ice bath at two hours. But what I also recognized was not just, was he doing these things? He was taking other people through these exact same processes. Yes. And because he is like this kind of wild man that you just like Hicks and you look at him and you're like, oh, like I can see why a guy like this is able to do it. Right. When he's got the able, genetics and everything. Yeah. Else. Yeah. That was a, everyone like in the scientific community just thought he was an anomaly. But then what really resonated was that he was bringing regular people through it. He brought the reporter through the Vice documentary who was just kind of like, a, I don't want to be mean, but kind of like a dorky guy. This guy that, <laughs> OK, if he can do it, I can do it. But yeah. so here they were doing all these things, but I was already kind of doing it. I was already doing these breathing exercises, doing cold immersion, but I was just white knuckling it. I was getting in, feeling the shock of the water and just, ha, ah, ah, ha, ah, ha, just like, okay, just don't, don't be a bitch. Just stay in the water <laughs> where I looked at Wim and he was totally relaxed. The people that he brought in totally relaxed. And so for me, it unlocked this thing of, okay, now not only do I want to be able to get into the cold, I want to do it and be unfazed. And so then I started really learning more about the Wim Hof method, the breathwork techniques, more of the cold immersion, actively going into ice baths and not just like 50 degrees, which is 50 degrees is plenty cold, but you can get it colder and stay in even longer and stay completely relaxed. And so that was the thing that resonated with me. 
And just like how I became obsessed with jujitsu because I saw here's this 170 pound guy submitting these guys bigger and stronger than him by learning these techniques, he kind of became a superhero. I feel that being able to go into ice, being able to relax, just like my body, my whole mind and body thought, oh, if you go into the ice, it's this horrific thing. Oh, I can actually go in and relax. So it was kind of developing these skills to turn myself into a superhero kind of thing. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, It's a really cool story. And I wanted to ask actually earlier, just really quick, how did you train under Jean-Jacques, like this legendary Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor? I mean, a lot of it's luck. I where I started, so I wrestled in high school. I wrestled in college, and that was just you. You go to school, and that's available. Yeah. And so after college, uh, once college wrestling was done, I was then like an assistant manager at a blockbuster, and there was I felt a piece of my life was missing because yeah. of the, the unfortunate thing about wrestling is that there's no just wrestling gyms you can typically go to. It's available at whatever academic institution you're at, but as soon as you're either done with high school and you don't wrestle in college, or if you wrestle in college and like your job isn't to wrestle at a, an international Olympic level, you're kind of done with wrestling. That's it, okay. there's nowhere to go. Right. And so being this kind of just, in a, it was just, I transitioned in life And all of a sudden, I'm now an assistant manager at Blockbuster, and I feel there's this emptiness in me because I need this challenge, and it's just not available. So for me, then, that was the reason I ended up joining the Marines, because I needed just a challenge. But then I remembered also during my time wrestling, guys would come in that were jujitsu guys, and they would come in to work on their wrestling for jujitsu. And I remember that during the wrestling practices, all of us, all the wrestlers were able to just do whatever we wanted with these guys. They weren't as physically strong and imposing as we were, but then every now and then just for fun after practice, we would do just kind of jujitsu rounds with them. And here was the guy that I was able to manhandle just a few moments ago is now catching me in these submissions and catching me in these positions that I don't fully understand. So that was kind of the first seed planted And then during the Marines, there's lots of times where they will gather everyone up in a circle and they'll be you, you go grapple. And uh, (laughs) so I remembered my my wrestling ability, plus like that little bit of jujitsu was able to kind of make me stand out in this one particular way. And so when I was uh, done with boot camp school of infantry, then I started seeking out. I'm like, okay, I can find ways to grapple and maintain this this still challenging thing that I love and first found an MMA school. It was actually big John McCarthy school in Valencia, the main like referee for the UFC for a really long time. And a lot of the instructors there were actually students under Jean-Jacques Machado. Okay. And then I moved to Hollywood and right across the street was legends gym, which is where Eddie Bravo, who's Joe Rogan's best friend. He's right. one of he's also a very prominent student of John Jock Machado. So okay. learned under him for a little bit. Then I went to school in Santa Monica, went to a, an academy called Street Sports, where the instructor's name was Hanato Magno, who's one of John Jock Machado's first black belts. So I trained okay. under him. So <laughs> like the universe is putting me with all these different students of Jean Jacques who are also very prominent in their own way. 
But then when I moved in with my very best friend, Eric, who is who we started that LA jujitsu club with, we both were just obsessed with jujitsu, but had separate paths. But then when I moved in with him, he was training at John Jock's. I went to the academy just to check it out. I got to train with John Jock Machado and he rolled with me in a way that I've rolled with a lot of very prominent wrestlers, prominent grapplers. And because I'd wrestled my whole life and at that point understood jujitsu, even yeah. if you were pretty good at wrestling or jujitsu and were able to beat me up, you had to try. Jean-Jacques put zero effort. I felt like it was like a dad playing with his <laughs> like baby child. And I remember he had tapped me out like a hundred times and, but didn't break a sweat, had no problem. And I remember thinking, okay, this is what I want to feel like to people. I want to be able to do this to people. So that's when I signed up uh, and trained at his gym and stayed there. I've been there for about eight or nine years now. Oh, that's amazing. It's really interesting hearing how you kind of went from one step to another because it sounds like for you, you've always been very uh, inspired by the challenge of like, why is he able to do this thing that I can't? And instead of kind of like writing it off, like, oh, he must just have a, he must just be gifted or whatever. It's cool that you've actually been like, I'm going to, no, I'm going to learn under the person. I want to figure it out and I want to learn so I can do the same things. I think that's actually pretty inspiring. I Um, appreciate that. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's really cool. Okay. I wanted to get into the breathwork stuff because I think everything you laid out there is so fascinating um, and we're going to dive into a bunch of it. One of the things that a lot of addiction recovery coaches will tell their clients especially in moments of, you know, where you're triggered. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you you saw somebody attractive or your thoughts are racing, you're starting to fantasize or you're starting to engage in those things that those behaviors you're essentially trying to avoid. Your brain picks up the threat and we all know that thing, like the heart race is racing, we're a little bit tighter. And for a lot of guys who are going through recovery, that's that's a panic kind of moment. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of coaches will say, breathe, right? Breathe, just breathe, breathe your way out of it. And there's tons of truth to it, but I, I guess before we maybe even get into some mechanics of what, what constitutes effective breathing in a situation like that, why is breath so important? Why does it have this kind of like um, invaluable impact on our well-being? Yeah, well, I, I, it's a very like there's a spiritual component, but there is also the very physical component of it. We all know that when we go through a stressful situation, we can even use the ice bath as an example, because I feel it gives people a very easy, uh, like a mental visual. And so you can imagine if you yourself or a person were to get into an ice bath or deal with some kind of panic situation, because I do feel the cold and panic, they're same physiology. And so you can imagine what somebody's body would do. You go through that fight or flight thing that you get hit with a trigger, you go into an ice bath and naturally, that whole process affects your breathing. You feel the panic in your body and immediately it triggers that fight or flight breathing. Yes, sorry, just contextualize what, for people who maybe haven't done this or don't don't know tons about it, let's just be really clear what an ice bath is because I just did it for the first time in your workshop about a month ago and I I was shocked by how much ice there was. I thought it was a bath that's cold water with some ice, but just, just explain what an ice bath is so people know. So like a proper ice bath, you're trying to get your your water to as close as freezing as possible. So about 33 to 35 degrees Fahrenheit or like just above zero degrees Celsius. And so for our ice bath, it was 500 pounds of ice. I don't know how much it is in kilograms. I'm recognizing there's a... No, we use pounds in Canada. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So about 500 pounds of ice 
and then we put the water in around it so that the water as the ice kind of melts it's still mostly there and yeah you're dealing with completely freezing cold water as cold yeah. as you can get water without it being salt water or anything like that that's crazy and i can attest that you know when you do go in it's it's a shock for sure yeah. and like you said your your brain goes into the fight or flight thing so then yeah. ta talk us through that a little bit why why does breathing have this kind of impact in a state like that so when your body goes into that state, naturally your breathing's part of it. Your heart rate goes up, your breath rate goes up. And so your breathing is the point where we can start to reverse engineer things. So when your body's in a panic state, your heart rate goes up and your breathing goes up, you can stop the cycle at your breathing. So you can start to breathe in a different way, which will then get the heart rate to slow down, which will then get the body to calm down, which will then also get the thought process to calm down because it's all of the above, right? You feel the panic in your body, heart rate goes crazy, breath rate goes out of control, and the thoughts become chaotic that you can't, mm. it's impossible to, when you're in that kind of chaos, to really think about anything like long-term, to have any kind of real plan in place for anything. Yeah. So the breathing is like your first step in calming the whole system down. And you're actually, that's a thing that if you're conscious and aware enough that you can get to. So I always have people before they get in the ice bath, it's a full deep inhale, a full deep exhale, a full deep inhale. And I try to get people to come into the ice bath on an exhale, because once again, as you get in the first thing your body's going to do, <gasps> and if you get that shocked inhale, that exhale <sighs> will be short and kind of crisp as well. And then that system will just keep itself going. But yeah. by, by hitting it at that, by coming in on a full deep exhale, your inhale will naturally be much fuller and deeper, which will then allow the next exhale to be fuller and deeper. And so by controlling that breath rate, you then get to control to some extent how the body ends up feeling. And so yeah. the breathing is one thing. And then it also goes into your interoceptive awareness, that awareness of what's going on in your body. And once again, yes. like, cause I do, I do look at breath work. It really, it's a branch of the meditation tree and meditation is just what's going on within my body. Am yes. I, Oh, I, because I feel when you start to meditate more and more, you create that little bit of separation between you and your emotions because most people, when they're just so panicked, it's, oh, I'm panicking. I'm, I'm so mad right now. But when you're in meditation and you start to notice it, there's, oh, there's anger in my body. There's a nice. lot of anxiety in my body. And noticing it from that point of view is significantly different than being lost in it. And yes. when, you're, when you're looking at it almost from that outside point of view, then it starts to become easier to, okay, now let's breathe a little different deeper let's relax these shoulders oh there's yeah. tension in like in my belly let me just let go of that a little bit i love more. that no i love that i, I do want to get into the interoceptive stuff but the the one thing that was really cool about the breath work for me is it it made me realize oh in even in my most panic state i can regain control like yes. it's actually it's an incredibly empowering feeling to know that to know that it's actually like, yeah, there's things I cannot control, things that might send me into that that panic state, but I can breathe my way through it. And I thought that was really cool. 
the one thing I actually wanted to ask you this at the retreat, and I never got a chance to, but uh, for those of you who haven't done an ice bath or an experience like this before, you know, we're, we're sitting in it and my buddy, Mike, we did it together and we're looking at you and you're talking us through it. And so our, our first benchmark was one minute and mm-hmm. our second benchmark was two minutes. And I remember around the one minute mark, you kept saying this thing that I was a little bit surprised by. You said, control the exhale, control the exhale. And even now you're just emphasizing the value of that exhale as you kind of enter yeah. the ice bath. Why, why is the exhale so important? Because I guess for me, like even when I think about working out at the gym, um, it's always been driven to me breathing through your nose. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. get better filtered air, the better quality. It's always been about the inhale. And so I focused on that a lot. And since the retreat, I found it really helpful when I have been feeling anxiety or any kind of distress. Uh, you know, I'm a cold shower guy. So even in the cold showers, just controlling my exhale has been really powerful. But I, I, I guess I don't really get it. Why, why is that so powerful? Why is that even more powerful than controlling the inhale? Because of your breathing is, once again, it's control. It, it's connected to all the different parts of your body. When you're taking inhales, you're like, you're slowly getting the the fight or flight mechanism going. And on the exhales, you're getting the rest and digest um, component of your nervous system going. So both of that, I mean, and so it's really by doing fuller, deeper inhales, fuller, deeper exhales, you're going to get yourself into that deeper parasympathetic state, but it is on getting those deeper exhales, every full deep exhale starts to slow the heart rate down a little bit. Every full deep inhale raises it a little bit, but you can, that's why you can, uh, you can make the ratio on inhales to exhales a little bit longer. So that's why I always say it's like, uh, it's about a five second inhale and then about a six to seven second exhale so that you're getting that heart rate lower and lower because as soon as it gets, and it's usually 30 seconds, if you can survive 30 seconds and gain control of that breathing, most of the time you'll last the full two minutes because most Mm -hmm. of the time when people get out, it's within that first 30 seconds. Once again, because people, their breathing gets stuck at (gasps) and boom, like it, you're now creating that positive feedback loop of your heart rate. You're in a stressful situation and your breathing is now causing your heart rates to go even higher. So it started Mm -hmm. by jumping, which then caused your breathing to change, which then caused your heart rate to go even higher which will then get your breathing to change. And so it just you goes out of control. Yeah. But the full deep exhale allows that positive feedback loop in the other direction. You get Man, your heart rate so slow down, your breathing goes down. Yeah, and it's just, but the exhale is where you start slowing the heart rate down. Wow. So I hope for people who are listening, you know, we're, we're talking about kind of breath work in the context of a controlled environment and an exercise. But for those of you who are dealing with addiction and you want to maybe get a better control of your triggers and the moments when you're triggered, the exact same concept applies here. And it sounds to me like, Joey, maybe you're not quite saying it this way, but it sounds to me like if you can be on top of things really early on, you can save yourself a lot of hardship down the road. Like there's kind of that fork in the road pretty early on. And it's going to gain momentum in either direction, depending on whether or not you can regain control of the situation. Would that be a fair way to frame that? Correct. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about the ice bath is that because of your going into a thing for a lot of people that is so outside your comfort zone, your, your intentions and your awareness are just, they're elevated, right? You're not just casually falling into this thing. You're okay. I'm going to go in there. What did you say about my breathing? got it. I'm going to go fully in, fully out. And so that by having that awareness firsthand, as you said, that you get that hold on it really quick, where for a lot of people with addiction and so many things that 
for so many of our activities, a lot of us are on autopilot for a lot of things. Mm. And I do feel that even subtle addictions, like most people have some kind of addiction to their cell phone. And yeah. I remember once I was, I was meditating and normally when I meditate, I put my phone on do not disturb, but for this particular time I didn't and I'm meditating and my phone dings. I get a text message and it goes ding. And immediately I feel my heart flutter a little bit. And I just feel like it's like this electricity throughout my body. And immediately I recognize that happens to all of us, but because we're not aware of it, it dings and it, it sets this trigger of automatic behaviors yes. into motion. And with the ice bath, it, you're, what we're doing is we're, we're getting past those automatic behaviors by being intentional with our breath. Because with most people, if you weren't there on purpose and you fall into ice or something, most people that haven't had the experience before won't have the wherewithal to be, oh, let me just control my breathing. Most people yes. will go in that positive feedback loop in that opposite direction. And I feel for me that like the daily ice bath practice, it is this constant reminder. It's me uh, proactively putting myself into that position of going into a fight or flight state, controlling my breathing. Because what I notice from making it a regular habit is that I notice those subtle other things like the phone dinging and my whole body reacting. Like we don't realize that these subtle things make our whole body react in a way. And that automatic part of our brain is very powerful. It was yeah. designed to make us just survive. And like, so recognizing as well that these parts, like they serve their purpose, but it is important to, to be aware of it, being proactive. And I do feel that, yeah, like having that breathing practice. And as you mentioned, like going into the ice bath, being proactive with your breathing, really yes. allows you to get past the automatic behaviors of your body. Yeah, and I love that terminology because I think whether we're talking about a phone, um, a phone, social media, um, whether it's even how we respond to people, respond to environments, certainly if you have an addiction, how you're responding to the substance or the behavior you're addicted to, those automatic behaviors are the things that we're trying to we're trying to address. And there's something to be said about creating the space. You were saying this earlier, right? Yeah. Like when you control your breathing, you actually create a gap between the initial stimulus and the response. And I think yeah. that is the mark of it's the mark of maturity in life. And it's certainly the mark of somebody who's making steps in their recovery. It's that they are widening that gap so that they can actually choose their response instead of just engaging in kind of their automatic subconscious behavior. And I think this is a nice tie-in to the interoceptive part of all of this because as you said earlier, and I think what a lot of guys would relate to is you could do the 50 degree dip for 15 minutes, no big deal, but you're white knuckling it. It's You're mustering yeah. up the willpower. You're not calm and collect through it. There's no joy in that process. And we often make a distinction in, in our, certainly in our spheres, that there's a difference between sobriety and freedom. And sobriety mm -hmm. is is the white knuckling. I've I've modified my behavior, and on the surface, it looks like I'm doing what everybody else is doing. But the mark of freedom is is the peace and the joy that comes as you go through it. People who are sober are still miserable because they fear yeah. their relapse. They they have to muster all of their energy. It's concentrated on trying to not do the behavior, not do the thing. But freedom is where you actually get to enjoy your life. There's a certain peace that comes with it. 
And one of the things that I, I've heard you say at some point, I forget now, I've heard you kind of do your thing a couple of times and I, I'm always impacted by it. But I remember one time you said you have to lean into it. I, I love that language. You're, you're leaning into it. In other words, you're not ignoring that your body's freezing cold and that you want to wow. jump out and everything within you is saying, what the heck are you doing? Get out of here. This is miserable. And, and rather than trying try to stuff it, you're, you're talking about acknowledging it, leaning into it and the power that comes from that. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Yeah, because if I feel the the ignoring it doesn't make it go away, it makes it come back in a different way. That did that wasn't supposed to rhyme, but that totally did. Um, but like, so you think about like, because you know, you deal with people that have uh, addictions in these different ways. If you're white knuckling it, what's going to happen is whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, smoking. That how many people do you know that quit smoking, but then all of a sudden they gain a bunch of weight? Or right. and like you quit pornography, but then all of a sudden you're just scrolling on Instagram or something else more that you just replace the addiction versus leaning into it. I mean, like just like any other addiction, you go into AA, the first thing they, they tell you is you have to acknowledge that you have a problem. And so just the acknowledgement of it's cold, acknowledging, oh, my body feels a certain way when I when I have some kind of trigger and I want to do this. And when you lean into it, though, that you're not ignoring it now, you're sitting with it. And I feel it creates a whole different experience because just like the ice bath, I'm not making you visualize that you're in a jacuzzi and that you're warm somewhere, that you're there and you're dealing with it and that it doesn't need to be a big deal. And I feel that with so many things, whether it's addiction or whatever it is, a lot of things, it's just energy in the body. And when we're on those automatic behaviors, that's what most addiction is. You get a trigger, your body reacts a certain way, and you're, you default to an automatic behavior because oftentimes we just don't like that feeling in the body. But if you meditate long enough, you're going to realize that so much energy, whatever it is, so many different emotions, feelings within the body are constantly coming in and out. Your body just yes. goes through these waves. And what a lot of people do is they distract because a lot of times those emotions are things that they don't want to actively feel. And sometimes, especially, I do feel especially as men, because sometimes it's sadness. And for whatever reason, men don't want to cry. That's what it is. A thing comes up and makes you angry. And anger is oftentimes a mask of sadness. And yes. you don't like that feeling. And so you distract away from it, as opposed to leaning into it, as you said, kind of creates that freedom. I do remember when I did 10 days in a darkness retreat, so 10 full days in darkness where you don't have access to anything, because for me, this is where I really came to notice these different emotions that are in there and how often that the body wants to, like, it wants to distract. And so what happened in that darkness retreat is for 10 days, almost every single one of those days, I just massive cry every day because what happened was this, it was the same pattern every day. I'd be in there, things would be fine. I'd feel a little anxious in my body. I'd want to distract myself in some way, but there was no distraction. There was no cell phone to grab. There was no snack to eat. There was no person to call. And so the feeling just stayed in my body. And then it would like, okay. And I would try to ignore it. I would try to do things. I would do some push-ups. I would do something to kind of ignore, but then it would just get bigger and bigger and it would be uncomfortable. And eventually it would hit kind of a breaking point. I'd have an emotional release and then I would feel the most peace I've ever felt in my body. Wow. And then that cycle would, would repeat. I would 
feel a little anxious, want to distract, but no way to distract, it would hit its breaking point, emotional release, peace. And that was kind of the pattern. And I feel so many of us have these different un, unattended emotions that are residing within our body. And yes. whenever that trigger happens, it allows for that emotion to be seen, but instead of seeing it, we distract. Mm. And so I do feel that that in actively just allowing it to be seen, because what you'll notice is that it's not a big deal, that it's uncomfortable a little bit, but that if you, and that's why I feel meditation is such an important practice because you're sitting with whatever is coming up and you'll start noticing those little things like when a cell phone dings and your whole body reacts in a way that, oh, got it. That's why I'm addicted to my cell phone. And you'll notice like these feelings of sadness, anxiety, and whatever it is that different things trigger these different emotions. Uh, but I do feel that the ability to sit with it, to feel it, and to just let it be, and to maybe also let it build up to the point where maybe maybe a cry needs to happen. Maybe some kind of emotional release needs to happen. Yes. But once it does, it's now not there to be distracted forever anymore. It's mm. been seen. It's been released. And then it builds that kind of strength and resilience to be with it again when it comes up again. And I feel what the ice bath is, it's a giant trigger because you go in and you're purposefully putting yourself into panic. And so, and so like, that's, I, that's, I find it once again, I find the ice bath to just be a powerful meditative exercise, but it is, it's like that forcing you into an uncomfortable position to feel that uncomfortable energy in the body. And then to just lean into it, be, Oh, got it. My body feels a little uncomfortable when I'm cold. My body feels a little uncomfortable when I'm not working constantly. My body feels a little uncomfortable when I deal with this situation and then just sitting with that, not yeah. moving to something else because yeah, white knuckling is like, all right, I'm not going to smoke. Uh, all right. I'll go on my cell phone. All right. I'll just eat something. I'm not going to do the addiction, but I'm going to do something else. And then that becomes the new addiction mm. versus, oh, I feel the energy in my body. Wow. Oh my, I didn't know I was so sad. I didn't know I was so angry or anxious and letting it build up and letting yourself notice that you are going to feel different things and that it doesn't always need to be numbed. That's so good. It's reminding me of uh, really like a staple book in our sphere, which is The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel Mm. van der Kolk. And I think it's that same concept. We, We would like to think that if we just kind of suppress it, it goes away, but it really doesn't. It, it all just gets stored. And that's why you see a lot of people as they go further in life, those practices catch up with them. They have mental breakdowns. Uh, they become super anxious. They can't cope for one reason or another. And so I think what you're saying is really powerful. I'm wondering if we can maybe incentivize someone who is saying, Joey, this sounds amazing, man, but like, I don't really want to face my emotions. I don't actually want to go through the crying and everything else. I know it's all there. But if I were to actually do what you're telling me to do, I just know it would be so uncomfortable. And I, I guess the question I have in my heart is, you've been doing this for a while now. You talked about doing the ice bath every day. And I, I would imagine that it's, it's brought some benefits here as you've done this over a longer period of time. Can you talk a little bit about that? What are some of the positive changes that you've witnessed in your life now having done this, having like intentionally exposed yourself to a panic-inducing situation day in and day out over longer periods of time? What's been the, yeah. the fruit of that? 
just like anything else, it, it makes you stronger in that particular way. If you subject yourself to intentional panic every day to some degree, it, when it happens outside of it, you're you're now a little bit more resilient to it. That I feel that what our problem is in Western culture is that so many challenges really don't exist in the same way that they once did. So people right. feel a little less empowered to deal with these challenges because it used to be that challenge was just life. You, you took on things as it went. Now it is, oh, why is this happening to me? And so I feel that being able to have practice where you put yourself into some kind of challenging situation and just, okay, my body is dealing with it, that you're going to make yourself more resilient to all these different stresses in life. The added benefit also what's beautiful about the ice bath is that it's phenomenal for your health as well, that it reduces inflammation. It's great for your cardiovascular health. Uh, it's great for your immune system. There's all these different health benefits to it, but I feel that it is the, the freedom in life aspect of it that once like just dealing with that little bit of panic that way, when other things that make my heart rate elevate, I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling like I'm in an ice bath right now. Luckily, I have a lot of experience with ice baths, so it's not as scary or big of a deal. And then also I have the tools to deal with it. Oh, I'm feeling anxiety in my body. Let me take a fuller, deeper breath in, a fuller, deeper breath out. What are my shoulders doing right now? Let me relax it. Or is there tension in my fingertips? And I go through the process within my body. So it is just that, that resilience to adversity that is going to come in. And the truth is people that are the most successful in the world are people that just handle adversity. Well, they've taken on a lot of it and they're just good at, okay, here's a stressful situation. I'm not going to freak out about it. I'm just going to roll with the punches. The most successful people in the world get sued every day. They have to deal with just crazy financial issues like, or whatever it may be, whatever your definition of success is that that is like I do feel the people that are the most successful in all the different areas of life are just really good at dealing with that stress and they don't ignore it they don't suppress it they don't have it out of their life they just when it happens they deal with it and I feel that the the ice bath has been just a really great way of dealing with it and I once again I feel that the ice bath is just like breath work the ice bath are branches on the meditation tree. And so when I, when people are like scared to meditate, as you mentioned before, that sometimes maybe somebody goes, Oh, I know all these emotions are my body, but I'm afraid to face it. Also doing something like 10 days in a darkness retreat is a very extreme way of doing it. Yes. And even meditating an hour a day, I see is a little bit extreme for some people. So usually whenever anyone asks me the question, I ask them, what would be an amount of time that you would feel would like just touch on uncomfortable if you just sat with your eyes closed and listened to your body? Because if I told you to do it for 30 seconds, you're oh, that would be no problem. If I told you to do it for a minute, nah, no problem. Maybe five minutes, no problem. So if they told me, okay, 10 minutes, I'll say, okay, just sit and do it for 12 minutes. Because of, at that 10 minute point, you'll feel all right, I'm feeling uncomfortable. And now it's not okay, but the 10 minutes is up. I'm going to open my eyes and not deal with it. You just have to deal with that, that first initial wave, because wow. that's all it, it comes in these little waves. And it is just, it's sitting with the waves. That's and, amazing. Well, I was just going to say, I, I bet once people do that and they get past the 10 minute mark, by the time they hit 12 minutes, they're probably like, oh, I could keep going. 
Yeah. Right? Because they've made it past that wave. And then presumably at some point, the 15, 17 minute mark, they'll probably get another wave. But that's yeah. that's really powerful. So you kind of actually started answering um, the last thing I wanted to ask you, at least the last thing that's coming to mind right now, which is if somebody's hearing this and they wanted to kind of get started on this journey, they acknowledge that, you know, they're not handling their emotions well. They're probably doing a lot of suppressing, but they do want that peace in their life or they're they're feeling super triggered and they want to start implementing some of the things we've discussed to build that resilience and create that separation between stimulus and response what's something practical that that the listeners could do starting today like meditating just finding that period of time uh there's a gazillion apps on the market right now that you can just because i feel that right everything is just kind of in layers and i feel that once again i always say that breath work branch of the meditation tree not the other way around and just sitting with nothing, just, okay, I'm going to sit here and there's nothing I'm going to do. I'm just going to sit and watch as things happen. Let the mind go a little crazy for a little bit. And so I feel just sitting, doing nothing, not having calming music or anything like that, just sitting. And it's because it's not making a big thing out of it. Just allowing your emotions in your body, the thoughts in your mind, letting them happen. But for these five, 10, 15, 20 minutes, an hour, just letting whatever is going to happen, happen and making the commitment to not get up when it feels uncomfortable, to just sit with it. And then from there, I would suggest finding like a breathwork practice because of once you kind of get comfortable meditating for a little bit, dealing with these different emotions that come up at the very least, just feeling them, noticing them. Breathwork would be because of now you're a little bit more active, but on the other end, especially as it gets to more intense breathwork techniques, you're now going to deal with emotions. They are going to just come up. Yeah. And the beautiful things that you don't, that it's, I feel with meditation that it's a little harder in the way of you just sit there and feel it and just do nothing to it. I do feel with breathwork, it is like you're actively purging a lot of these emotions out. Uh, nice. And so, yeah, like I would suggest just to get started even just meditating five minutes, taking everyone has five minutes in their day to sit and observe what's taking place within their body. And then from there you can start, okay, now I'm going to breathe a little bit differently. Now I'm going to, I'm going to relax my body a little bit of a different way. Now I'm going to change my breathing pattern and really create these different things. Now I'm going to get into an ice bath that you can take these very small practical steps but it does start with just being able to sit with yourself and the different emotions that you're feeling. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Really well said. Um, you, you've really made an effort to offer what you do to the world to make it super accessible. It's one of my favorite things about, about you, you know, because you travel quite a bit. And, um, and you, I mean, what you bring is just unbelievable value. So for our people who are listening who are saying, Joey, that sounds awesome. Um, and they can actually get some guidance from you through these different practices. Um, just tell our audience a little bit about how they can find out more about you and plug in with what you guys are doing. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so if you go to joeyhouse.com, J-O-E-Y-H-A-U-S-S.com, uh, I even have, I think it's a seven-day free trial on there right now. Right now, I'm doing two live free uh, two live sessions a week, uh, Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific, and Thursday evening, 5 p.m. Pacific. So that's me doing it totally live, Uh, but we're also building a breathwork library because yeah, I I understand that people have different schedules. I don't want that. I'm not able to make it at this particular time to be a reason that people 
don't engage with breath work. So yeah. we're creating a library. I think we actually have a good amount of it ready on the website already. And then within the next few weeks, we're going to have an app out. It's going to be called Breath House, spelled with H-A-U-S-S. Come on. Uh, my last name. And then <laughs> because of, yeah, most people, are they have their phones readily available to them all the time. And so that way, if you're in an airport or you're somewhere else, you're just somewhere where all you have is your phone, that you can be able to do these different breathing exercises and either connect more to what you're feeling or actively change what you're feeling within your body. That's amazing. So we'll put links in the show notes to all that stuff. I think by the time this episode airs, uh, most of that stuff should be live. And yeah. guys, I'm telling you, Joey makes this stuff very accessible, very affordable. And so if you're looking to connect with them and you want to take another step, I highly recommend these guys. Man, your your sessions have been so impactful for me. I've had some huge revelations. And I think for me, even just as the business has grown, um, having some of your sessions have just given me much needed space to process to you know, rest and digest some of the emotions and some of the things that have been probably pent up a little bit. And so uh, for those of you guys who are listening, you can have the same experience as well through Joey's stuff. So highly recommend it. Joey, thanks for your time today, man. Thanks for imparting so much wisdom here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, there it was. That's my interview with Joey House. And man, I told you this guy, um, a lot of wisdom and a lot of practical applications there. Um, just, just things that Honestly, they have a, a universal application, you know, whether we're just talking about work stress or relationship stress, the regular cares of life. But I, I'm sure you guys can see there's a huge application here in an addiction environment. And I hope that's something you'll take really seriously. I want to encourage you to download his app, Joey, uh, sorry, Breath House. We're going to put a link in the show notes so you can just click there as well. But that is going to be your gateway to all kinds of breathwork exercises, meditation exercises, and it's really, it's your gateway to peace, to inner peace, to enlarging that gap between stimulus and response, and really getting a little bit ahead of the addiction that you might be battling in your life, whether it's pornography, masturbation, buying sex, uh, alcohol, drugs, gambling, video games, social media, your phone, technology at large, whatever it is, you're going to have some value in there that's going to increase your peace. It's going to strengthen your relationships. It's going to give you the presence of mind that we all so desperately need in this day and age. So go check it out. And if you're looking for a blueprint for recovery specifically, you know, you, you want to uh, take a systematic approach and, and maybe amalgamate. Maybe you've done a little bit of piecemeal. You know, you've had some counseling here. You've done some community work there. You got a program uh, somewhere in the mix of that. But you actually want an integrated, well-rounded, balanced approach that's going to allow you to systematically resolve the root issues of porn and masturbation. You can get my copy of the book, The Last Relapse, for free. It's my blueprint for recovery at thelastrelapsebook.com. So www.thelastrelapsebook.com. That's completely for free, my gift to you, and I hope you take full advantage of it. Guys, I want to thank you so much for listening. I wish you an amazing day full of confidence, peace, and integrity. Talk soon, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. 
First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.